Okay. We need to gossip. 911. Whoa. Um, okay. This is very recording, by the way. Distracting <laughs> the entire time we were having this conversation. The guy over there at the desk. Don't all look at him at once. Working on rendering a pretty amazing picture of a basketball player that he'd drawn in MS Paint. And he kept going in with different, like, spray painty brushes and being like, does this screen work for the short <laughs> shorts? Like, how am I going to shade the shirt? And then at the end, he, like, controls edited the whole thing and closed it. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, like, moved on to watching... Um, illustrator tutorials yeah, on yeah. YouTube. To be clear, I think he was like following a tutorial yeah. and trying to implement some <laughs> okay, of the tools, okay. but it was a very endearing <laughs> rendering of a basketball player, okay. which yes. I was I was quietly appreciating as well. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. you airing that for the group. <laughs> because I was quietly keeping it inside to myself. It's like, it's not appropriate to bring this up during this discussion, but also... <laughs> but such an endearing form of expression is really relevant to the work that we were discussing today, I feel. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Trade Waiters, where we wait for trades and then read them and then talk about them. It's like a podcast that's also kind of a book club, but only for comics. So an even nerdier intersection of a nerdy thing. (laughs) That's what I was always going for. Good. Yeah. Good. It's nerd all the way down. Uh, Today, we are going to be discussing a relatively recent work called Why Art by Eleanor Davis. We are going to start with a character building question so we can all introduce ourselves and reveal a bit about who we are. All right. The question that I have for the group today is, can you recall the first time you thought of yourself as an artist? While you ponder that, I can perhaps share my own because I've been thinking about this. I know it's a very deep (laughs) question. I have a very strong memory. My name is Jam. When I was in elementary school, we had uh, a bit of free time allocated to us by the teacher just for drawing, which even at a tender young age was my favorite thing. And I had drawn uh, a dragon or monster or something. And I remember it had like two really long brachiosaurus-like necks. And the teacher came over and she complimented my drawing because to her, she said it looked like the monster was so big and ferocious that it was fighting to get off the edge of the page. And I was so pleased with myself. I think that was the first time that I felt an artist. And I, yeah, it's, it's really amazing that such a such a trivial childhood experience has stayed with me for so long. Interesting. Um, I'm Kay, and I think I have always considered myself an artist. I can't remember ever consciously deciding, like, I am an artist or feeling that way. But I will also add to that like I was in art specific education like I went to an arts focused elementary school and then I went to an arts focused high school and then I went to an art university so I was always surrounded by people who considered me to be artsy and surrounded by people who considered themselves to be artsy so I always considered myself an artist but I also didn't have the complex of being like the art kid because I have always been middle of the pack and I always will be and it was like always always there was always like at least five people way better than me in class so (laughs) i don't know that's that's my take on that is i have always considered myself to be an artist but 
you know, right. that's because I was put in art situations a lot. <laughs> the art situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm uh, Jeff Ellis, and yeah, I think I've probably considered myself an artist almost my whole life. Just I, because my my memory actually of when I first realized I was an artist is that when I was sent to kindergarten for the first time. I had done all this drawing, and the teacher called me her little Picasso for the rest of the term. And my parents, like, were really pleased about this, and they would tell everyone this story. And, yeah, I think that that's, that's kind of carried through my whole my whole life. It's actually, I've been thinking about uh, a mini-comic, kind of, about my family's expectations of me as an artist and how that sort of shaped where I'm at with things right now. But I think that, yeah, my my identity has always been defined as being, like, the artist in the family for, like, forever. Yeah. Mm, I'm Jess. My honest answer is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember when you started to draw? Um, no, I just always did. So it's it's hard. It's something that I've always done. So it's like... Oh, I, I can't say something that won't be cheesy. It's like walking or breathing, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it means, like, to be an artist. I don't know. I'm not actually here, but I'm going to cut in and say that I taught you for two weeks in grade four. <gasps> and did yeah. you do that? I did not know you that. You did not know that? That oh, was so Jess's first episode. No, no, yeah. I didn't listen to this. Is, oh, this you weren't there. You were there. Jess okay. filled in. All right. <laughs> All right. Now Jess, I am here officially. It's oh, my God. Back. John has appeared. <laughs> He's I'm just, only like, here for this. dropping in yeah. from the ceiling just to tell this anecdote. And then I'm going, <laughs> why art? Because i got to go. Um... <laughs> So, okay, in the Nausicaa episode, so for listeners, if you want to find this, we have a recording of it. Uh, um, Kay had invited Jess to fill in, uh, I guess. I was in Japan. Yeah. So Jess was subbing for you. Um, And um, so I had met Jess a couple times before, didn't make any kind of connection, didn't realize that there was a connection. Uh, But then by complete coincidence... Like, a few days before, I had been going through some old, like, teaching plan stuff of mine that I had used when I did my practicum in Victoria, teaching grade four for two weeks, and not used again since then, and then was going to use it again, uh, like, however many years later that was. It was just sitting in a filing cabinet the whole time. And I came across a sheet that was, like, by Jessica, and it had, like, this little drawing of a lizard person on the side of it, which, without that drawing, I would never, I'd still not have made the connection. But then I realized, hmm, I know that drawing style. <laughs> so I asked Jess about this uh, on live on the episode, and it Aww. turns out, it's true. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> I kept that sheet. I still have it. Cool. Oh, also, I funny. am really, really old. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's my true. bedtime. Good, goodbye. Bye, JD. <laughs> Good night. Good night, CJD. Jonathan's Sleep off well. to dive into a miniature diorama of his apartment. <laughs> Never to be seen again. And he won't understand <laughs> the reference until very later. Oh, thank God. Now that he is gone, we can get down to business. (laughs) So thank you very much, everyone, for sharing those anecdotes. And it's so touching to hear how long the identity of an artist has intersected with our own identities, uh, because I think that's going to inform the discussion of this work. Before we proceed any further, I think it is pretty important to remind 
our listeners that this is a spoiler episode. Uh, I think that this work in particular is one of the ones that is best experienced fresh. Mm. So it's a pretty quick read. I hope you'll agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like under an hour for sure. Yeah. And maybe like a quick thumbs up, thumbs down. I thought super worthwhile. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So if you're interested in this book at all, please go out and find it and then return to this podcast. So what we are discussing today is a work called Why Art? Uh, by Eleanor Davis, who is a Savannah College of Art and Design graduate. She's currently living in Atlanta, Georgia, working as a full-time illustrator. Uh, in 2009, she won the award, uh, the Eisner Award for Promising Newcomer, and her work has also won a gold medal from the Society of Illustrators. So some of her other works, uh, she did a children's series called Stinky and another one called Flop Top, and her more serious works include... Not that those aren't serious. Her more adult-oriented works include Libby's Dad, How to Be Happy, and You and a Bike and a Road. So we're discussing today, though, uh, a book called Why Art, which I selected because I found it so affecting and unusual. To give a very brief summary is I'm going to describe it as a meditation on what art means for the artist and for society. Hmm. Okay. But I think we'll have more to discuss on that, what this book really means and what this book really is. And I'm actually really looking forward to this discussion. Uh, I'd like to open the floor with uh, overall impressions. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit familiar with her work. Like, I've definitely followed her online for ages because aesthetically I really love what she's doing. But then um, I believe she did uh, an issue of Frontier, which is a publication through Youth in Decline where an artist just gets an issue of the magazine and gets to cover to cover, do whatever they want, kind of. And she did a comic, I think, called BDSM that's print on. And yeah, I've been a frontier subscriber for years so that's like that's one of my like definitely subscribe to that it's a good good comics thing but i i really enjoyed it 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 gave me a lot to think about and i read it through twice i read it through once and i put it down for a couple of hours and then i read it through again and Mm. so yeah it's definitely i think the word meditation is describes it really well okay cool Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I uh, actually sort of skimmed it just before we recorded because I had a little bit of time today beforehand. But um, yeah, I uh, I agree with this as like a meditation on art. I actually read this uh, when I was just sitting in a tent uh, camping on my... I read a lot of this on my phone, actually, which normally I feel like I am not doing a service to the book. But I, the format, actually, I thought... It was fine. It suited itself fine. Yeah, uh, I read this that. digitally as well, which I usually, whenever you hear me say that, I lament over how much <laughs> I don't enjoy doing that. But uh, it totally worked for this yeah. piece. And then I just wanted to check with you guys. Do, do we all read the fourth edition? Yes. Because I only just noticed uh, that the title page says, Why Art? Fourth edition. No, I'm which not I believe, so sure. I believe that's a, a joke. A joke? On, I guess so, it because like it came textbook. out in like yeah. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just wanted to call, I just wanted to call attention to that because I think that's a nice touch that I just picked up on. Okay. Uh, it was published in 2018 and there's already four editions. Oh God. That's so funny. That's a good gag. Uh, you can tell it was written by someone who went to art school, I feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I definitely related to this from my time in art school. I, I was like, this person went to art school. Cool. 
I, I might just hold back. I did not have as positive an experience with this work, but I'm really excited to hear what other people think. It's, from what I understand, it's fairly critically acclaimed. It was well-received. Uh, not that I could, I think it was well-received in terms of, like, publishers and reviewers. Okay. But it has not yet been awarded anything. Okay. And so I, I believe it was, was it you who was mentioning that this book is actually a little bit discussed? I don't want to say contentious. No, that wasn't me. I can't remember. So I haven't, I haven't seen any discourse about it. Uh, but I've been seeing positive people, or sorry, like people posting uh, online saying like, oh, why art? Read it. It's great. People who I trust. And that was what motivated me also because I, I was following Eleanor Davis. And I, again, like similar to Kay, I'm like super huge fan of her as an illustrator. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to read it. You know? Yeah. Like her, so, her work's great. Um, yeah. I loved How to Be Happy. Okay. That was my favorite um, from her. But yeah, I would love to hear... Um, what everyone thinks why art what does the ending mean um, right okay um mm. we don't have to start at the end yeah but before we jump to the ending perhaps i think the first question i'd like to ask the group uh whether or not you liked it is it a comic oh yeah yeah, yeah. for sure i for sure if yeah <laughs> why, why would you think it's not a comic? That uh, would be my question to reflect back at you. I, I also agree it's a comic, but I think it is a a work that bends the comic structure almost to the point of breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is, it reads almost closer to a storybook yeah. in the sense that it has like pages with just a little bit of description and then like a small illustration. And it does have characters and it does have interactions with speech bubbles. But I don't feel that is the core of the work. I feel like the... So I, I agree it is a comic, but I think it it does some really strange things structurally that uh, may make it pushing the boundary of what a comic can be, be which mm-hmm. I, I actually find quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, I like I teach, I teach comics at Langara, and always on the day one, I always do the what is a comic discussion... And I always like to pull out a family circus and a far side. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, does this count? Or does it have to have two panels, you know? Um, which I, I often find I'm much more on the side of, yeah, just like words and pictures communicating. So, you know, um, I think this is, yeah, it's words and pictures communicating a story. Uh, I just recently was doing a job interview where they were asking, like, can you describe the difference between a storybook and a comic book? And mm. And that was a tough question, actually, is like, how would you differentiate a storybook from a comic book? And I think I'm more of the mind to say that there's a like a, a there's a blurry kind of gray area where those two worlds kind of bleed together. And maybe this is where this work exists is in that space between comic book and picture book. Uh, yeah, I might agree, uh, because I would argue that there are there are now uh, starting to become more hybrid works, especially for younger readers, where they are a storybook, but they start introducing comic elements. Mm-hmm. And I think those sit closer to storybook than comic book. But this is almost, it's very strange because it's its so metaphorical, it's so abstract that it is so clearly for an adult audience. Mm-hmm. But it's like taking the experience of a storybook into adulthood, which I find so... Ah, so it's surreal to experience for me. Mm. 
Yeah, I um, I was also just going to say that I really liked the pacing in this. Um, I liked that the presentation of the work starts very small with like, there's a paragraph, why art? To discuss art, we should start with talking about color. And then it just has like orange artworks, blue ones, and there's no color. Yeah. <laughs> which I just, to me is like, I kind of, it's already telling you what you're in for. It's like, we're going to talk about colored artwork and we don't have color in this book. And I was like, okay, like, I, I think I see where this is going. But then like, it starts humorous and then it just slowly kind of gets more surreal. And then the narrative starts to sort of take over and get stronger. And I just really appreciated the way it sort of like led you down this path where like by the end, it's so surreal but it began like a textbook and it sort of incrementally, like the frog in the boiling water, it kind of mm. just very incrementally like led you into it. And suddenly you're like in the middle of this surreal adventure going like, what? how did I get here? I started out trying to learn about blue artworks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. When I was uh, reading this book in a, for a second time in preparation for this podcast, the, the phrase that jumped out at me when I was trying to categorize this experience was something close to stream of consciousness. That's mm. kind of how the work felt, although it's super, super clear that it is not stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness writing is just like you open up the notepad and you mash whatever comes down, but everything is so careful and calculated and balanced in this work that it is like a stream of consciousness as a reader but it's been constructed. And I think that I don't, I, I spent a lot of time trying to fathom how this work came to be, you know, mm. from a, from a construction standpoint, from like an artist, how, how do you pitch this? Mm. How do you thumbnail this? How do you, how do you write this? And uh, I'm excited because I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wondered, and um, totally not saying it as like a statement of what the artist's intent was, but I did wonder if the opening was sort of saying up front, I am not using a traditional, what's the word, paradigm for discussing art. Like right away, it's like, there's blue art and orange, and it's very uh, funny. Like I laughed, it was it was humorous. Um, but it, it immediately, like you were talking about the buildup of surrealness, I felt like it was right away. It was like, we are not talking about art in any <laughs> traditional way. We're not using any of the traditional categories. This is not going to be a textbook. It just goes right in that surreal direction, which is interesting. Do you think that might have been the the like kind of the establishing shot for this was to be like this is going to be weird like let's let's do it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I I think so. Mm -hmm. I think in order to take the reader in so many unexpected directions, you kind of had to jar them right off the bat. From a from a narrative standpoint, it kind of reminds me of the experience of reading Clockwork Orange, mm -hmm. where for the first few pages, you just cannot figure out what's going on because the language and the slang is so different mm -hmm. that I, I that's that's how I interpreted that. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't read a Clockwork Orange, so I can't. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's weird. I haven't <laughs> read it, but heard. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so it, it basically like it jumps into just mm -hmm. a paragraph of, sorry, of slang that it takes you probably another 30 pages to be able to connect with what any of those words on the first page even meant. So it is a very similarly jarring experience, and that's why mm. I connected to it. It was jarring, because yes. I, I also went into it, and this was completely my fault, 
maybe with some unfair expectations that it would be like a critical analysis, that it would be like a really serious discussion. Um, and right away, it's like, no, <laughs> like this is uh, not, you know, not that it isn't an analysis or that it isn't a discussion, but it's it's just totally different than what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But I shouldn't have gone in with assumptions about it. Right. Like I, I was actually I mean, I, I, I would say that I. I actually was impressed with how, in spite of it being surreal, I felt like it actually touched on a lot of little moments that I found very relatable as an artist at the same time. Like, like just like the whole sequence with the, um, I can't remember the artist's name, but there's the artist whose work is... Dolores? Saying, um, the one who says, I love you. Yeah, I yeah, Dolores. Dolores. So Dolores' work of saying, I love you to people. And then, of course, she's so good at her delivery that people fall in love with her and it gets too much for her so she has to go and like travel and find herself again and then she starts this new project which is this other crazy ambitious artwork and it is it's insane like she loses an arm and like grows a new arm and grows shark teeth and then her new artwork is that you experience losing an arm and growing shark teeth (laughs) yourself but then, like, this person experiences this, like, losing an arm, growing it back, growing shark teeth. And they're like, wow, that was intense. You know, I really liked your old one, the I love you thing. And she's like, oh, I don't do that anymore. And I'm just like, <laughs> so many artists, I think, can relate to that. Of just, like, they work so hard on this thing. And people are like, yeah, I really like the old thing you were doing. And you're just like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but just that specific passage. And I haven't, like, fully figured out what I think this means in relation to the whole because like how does this connect to the ending of a story which also focuses on Dolores but I really felt like the shark bit was about like processing trauma as an artist um, and like the passage that really uh, stuck out to me was when she it, she finally tracks down the shark who ate her arm and she eats it yeah um, <laughs> and yeah so that definitely was very striking to me and interesting and I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about that with like if I'm maybe drawing false parallels because that particular passage stuck out, like how does that then relate to the rest of the story? I don't know. But mm. that particular moment I was like, that's about processing trauma as an artist. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I had a similar reaction. And I think what I am so excited about this work is that I feel like every single line and image in this work is a metaphor. But I think it's very widely open to interpretation what any of those metaphors mean. So I guess the the next question, I feel like this book is so weird that I'm just kind of framing it as a series of questions <laughs> of like, what was the overall message that you took from this work? Why, why did Eleanor create this work and what did it say to you? Hmm. And so if Eleanor is trying to explain to you why art, what is the answer that you got from this book. Mm. So I was trying to think about this. I was like, what is the, like, is this whole work just a question or is this work trying to pose an answer to the question, like give an answer to the question that it poses in the title? And if I'm going to go with the last one, I felt like maybe it was answered in the last two lines of the book, but you have to like go on this journey to get there, which the last two lines are show us how to be brave, show us how to save ourselves. And I, that kind of resonated, especially because of, like, where we are in the world right now and how it just feels like the world is going to end. Like, British Columbia was on fire for all the summer, you know? I don't know. It's like, art is a tool to survive, I guess, is almost what I 
what I took from it if I'm taking it as, like, mm-hmm. w- the work is an answer to the question posed in the title. I don't know how I, people feel I about think that, 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 I mean, uh, I think that fits really well with the, the plot in the story. Like, I mean, I mean, they have the exhibition that gets sort of the storm that floods it, and then they all escape into a diorama. And then because they're sort of, I don't know, kind of bored and, and, and running out of food and supplies, they, like, build little miniature versions of themselves and, like, rebuild society in their diorama. And it's, I mean, yeah, like, I think, like, art is continuously being represented as the as the solution or the escape to the ne- the next problem for these for these band of artists here and at the end of the story so yeah i think that really holds up yeah they literally build better versions of themselves yeah that was yeah. really <laughs> weird and eerie and I, and I was trying to like i don't i don't quite know what it's saying but i think it's really really interesting i, I think there's some line being like uh you know through art maybe we can create the world that we want to see we can create a better version of ourselves or a better society and look to that as an inspiration for becoming better ourselves i don't know maybe maybe <laughs> like maybe. i i like i mentioned before i think every interpretation of this work is valid and that's what's so beautiful about it to me um if i may share mine like, uh, obviously there is no definitive, well, I'm just sharing my interpretation. Mm-hmm. I felt that this work was a rallying cry to all artists in a reaction to crisis. Kind of as Kay was saying before, the experience of having endured the end of 2016, the experience of watching the world succumb to chaos through so many different avenues, I've certainly spent a lot of time asking myself, why should I dedicate myself to art? Especially art that is lighter, art that is not directly confronting the the crisis and the chaos. Why? Why should I spend any time on this? What is the point? And I thought the categorization of the different types of artworks in the beginning was actually really interesting because it showed that there is no monolithic art there is no there are so many different ways to be an artist and so many different ways to express yourself and different ways to provide value and how they were saying uh very coyly like these are highly sought after commercial arts that just cover the uh the ugliness of our world i thought that was really really profound or the sweet art with no taste right that you have to seek out after you look at the very dark art that shows the darkness in the world. Like, that you didn't want to look at in the first place. You didn't want to look at. But both of those types of arts have function. Both of those types of arts have value. And then later, when they were in the crisis, you know, they, they sought refuge in the diorama for a little bit of time to just kind of recover. They sought out the sweet arts to just kind of replenish themselves. And then they set the work to constructing this very accurate reflection of themselves to try and see like now show us how to be brave show us how we should have responded to this so we can do it better next time and i i cried a lot the first time i read this and it i felt answered a lot of helped me answer a lot of questions for myself of what i was doing and why Mm. and helped me come to terms with the fact that it's like regardless of how I choose to express myself as an artist, 
that has value in some context. And it's it's up to the person reacting, right? You know, the, the person who came up to the artwork and said, oh, this is about me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dog and my bird. It's like everyone takes something different from your art, and so you shouldn't feel reserved about putting it out into the world. And then there's the follow-up to that where the other person comes back and goes, this art is about me, and yeah. then the first person <laughs> slaps him in the face. Yeah. Um, which I think, again, that fits so well with 2018. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> like, I see this. No, I see this other thing, and now I'm going to hit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just funny. Listening to you talk, I kept pulling out pages, and then you went and referenced those pages, so that I'm not going <laughs> to pull them up now. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that it all kind of weaves together as like a big discussion of what art meant to the creator of this work. And um, I think it makes you think a little bit about what art mean, means to you. You know, I think I could see people, uh, I don't know, I actually like when, when it talks about like the sweet arts that have no taste, like at, that gave me pause. And I thought, well, who's to say what's a sweet art that has no taste? Like that's a very dismissive way of like regarding certain arts. And like, if that makes that person feel good at that time, or if it helps them deal with like the horrible art that just made them confront all these truths. Like, I think that that has its own validity to, to exist. And, and, you know, I sort of, yeah, I don't know. It sort of makes you think about that. There's all these different aspects to art and we judge art. We say, this is, this is art that's really saying something and like this is nothing this is like sugar puffs and it's it's not good for you or like this art isn't worth worthwhile and and i maybe think that, that maybe here the the argument is that like it's all worthwhile that it's all art that that <laughs> is yeah i i had a similar reaction at the end of the day like that all art is worthwhile and i found that tremendously comforting so mm-hmm. i thought this book was a hug <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this book, I don't know, made me think a lot, and I think it would be, I always, like, fantasize about if I ever, like, taught at a university level, which I never will, because I'm not ever going to get a master's, um, but, uh, like, I, this would be, like, in my, like, fantasy curriculum, I'd definitely <laughs> add it in, because I think it it's interesting, and facilitates interesting discussion. <laughs> You're making me think of, like, a fantasy football league, <laughs> yeah, but with books that. in a curriculum. <laughs> basically that that's good um no i know you didn't enjoy the work as much though so did you have any like thoughts you want to share with us um what about the ending asserts that all art is valid Hmm. the ending itself as in like the final page or the ending sequence where like i I think it's it's difficult to tell what constitutes the quote-unquote end right because there's like such a smooth transition yeah and such a long experience or what about the final act mm-hmm. asserts that all art is valid? If that is something that is asserted. I mean, that's something that we're, that's something we're asserting. So maybe like you didn't feel that. Like, what was your impression going in? Like, did you feel like it was more just like a parody or? Um, what I took away was that the highest, a high form of art is to have art that has political meaning or art that creates a better world or paints an ideal world or art that teaches you how to be brave or how to be better, which I think is true. That is a good, important use of art. But I'm wondering, because you brought up the the sweet 
you know, nothing art. Yeah. Like the, the head, there's a head, a beautiful woman's head with flowers around it. And is it asserting that that art is less valuable than political art, I wonder? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. And I think to add color to that discussion, uh, Eleanor herself is very politically active. Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, You and a Bike in a Road is quite political. I don't know how to be happy whether that work is political as well. But I do know that Eleanor, as a as a person in the world, uh, is quite politically active and politically involved. So I do think that is something that she keeps quite close to her. But if I may offer to you, uh, in the plot of the work, Dolores, who is the one who's set to constructing the world and set to then destroying it for the purpose of finding out how she could have been braver in the past, Dolores was rescued by the diorama. Dolores was, Dolores was nourished by the sweet art. Dolores was, you know, comforted by, you know, the the art of her friends and supported throughout time. So even Dolores needed to be nourished so that she could pursue her art. Mm -hmm. And I, I did not get the impression that any art had a greater value. Uh, I do think that at the beginning it might have been parodying, par parodying the fact that we do try to ascribe high or low or big or small to art. But I think the point of the work is that every... Well, the, the point that I took from the work is that everything has a role in how we move through the world and how we take refuge from the things that are happening to us or reflect what is happening to us. Yeah, that's why I'm really glad that we are talking about it, because I, I really wanted to hear a more positive interpretation of the work, because I was just left with my own, you know, and I was like, is this a valid read, you know? So mm. I really wanted to hear other views on it. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, the reason I find this work so comforting is because I had not a similar reaction to this work, but a similar reaction to the world, is that when things got so bad, I had this overwhelming sense that there is no point to making art that is not political. Mm -hmm. And I felt this work was comforting in the sense that it's like you can make art that suits another role. And it will support other people who need to make work who is political. And everything has a time. Everything has a season. Mm -hmm. Everything, you know, even you as an artist, like you may start your life saying I love you and then needing to go back and tell the world about the shark you had to eat. <laughs> turning, turning other people into sharks, yes. briefly. <laughs> you can change as an artist. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I want Now I want to reread it again. <laughs> I recommend it. I was... Uh, I was very pleased because I thought the fresh experience of reading it was so affecting, but the second time reading it was also very affecting, and I was relieved. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, thank God that my impression of this book was not just a fever dream. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I, um, even just kind of skimming through it a second time, uh, like I, I found myself really wanting to immerse myself back into it, but I knew for time reasons I had to kind of keep flipping. But uh, no, this was... Yeah, I think I think this was like uh, explored a lot of a lot of avenues, and I think I think and maybe like the fact that we're having such a a nuanced conversation about the work, I would say means that it's, it was successful. Because I think that really maybe the intention here is to get people thinking about art, talking about art, expressing how this art made them feel, uh, what they took from the art. Like you know, I think I think that this uh, this sort of shows that this was like 
achieving what it intended. Not necessarily within this specific work, but just to your earlier comments about feeling like non-political art has no value. I mean, I think there's been a lot of really good posts I've seen uh, pushing back on that idea and and really making the case that, uh, you know, uh, the world needs laughter, you know, uh, People need people that are doing in the trenches doing the political stuff need to be able to sit down and eat some of the sugary art uh, just to keep themselves like feeling happy and motivated. And like it, it's important to have you got to have laughter and you got to have uh, frivolity and you've got to have uh, fun. And uh, it's important to have that stuff, too. Like you can't have everything be intense political all the time like that's just too much like that's 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 overwhelming in and of itself like people need some levity it's important to have those those lighter moments that that are created and so like i think yeah like um you know i my impression of the work is that it's not actually i think at the end of it i think it isn't dismissing the the light sugary work but um but my yeah my personal opinion is the light sugary work is important like it serves a purpose it as you say, it nourishes people so that they can maybe do those political works. Cool. So thanks, everyone, for taking some time to dig into this work. I would like to wrap up with, would you recommend it? Oh, I would. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think it's very much worth reading at least twice. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's definitely worth reading. Uh, and I would say... Um, works digitally or in print so just yeah download it check it out i'm not sure um definitely go into it with an open heart i'm really glad we had this talk i feel like my perspective has really changed on it and i definitely want to give it a reread i would uh, maybe just tell somebody like it's it's very surreal like it's not going to be like an essay or something but that is good right so yeah uh, I obviously love this book, uh, but I would recommend it carefully. I would recommend it very much to other artists. I would especially recommend it to artists who may be feeling disillusioned. Mm. Uh, but I think it needs a lot of experience to be able to comfortably read this work. Mm. That's my that's my take. All right, yeah. speed shoutouts. Go. Okay, my name's Jeff Ellis. Uh, you can find my work at eastvancomic.com. Um, and can't you probably can't get your hands on this, but I brought in this book called uh, Siberia, which is a comic book created by the students at Guilford Secondary School. And I did some consulting with the teacher. And uh, it's a shared world, the shared world of Siberia. And all this, the students did comics set in that world. They just did their print run. And uh, there's an ongoing graphic novel program at Guilford Secondary, and I, I think I'm more just shouting out the fact that there's a graphic novel program at Guilford Secondary. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's <laughs> very cool. Considering we're so spoiled. Kids these days. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, my name's Jess. You can find my work at uh, jesspollard.squarespace.com. I'm going to shout out the movie To Kill a Dragon, if I haven't. The, I believe it's a 1988 Russian film. I'm Kay Gross. You can find my miscellaneous comics work at cadcomics.com or my ongoing webcomic at lunarmelodies.com. I'm going to shout out a TV show I've been watching 
the CBC Anne of Green Gables, <laughs> and with an E, is so good. Yeah, you should watch it. It's real good. It's just so good. All right. Uh, and I am Jam. I'm in the process of hunting down my shark. And I would like to shout out Scrapbookers. Nice. Ah, nice. Oh, yeah. Crafting has evolved. And I'm into it. Oh, like just scrapbookers oh. in general. My my, my mom. <laughs> is your my, mom into this? My mom has an entire room now. One of the children's bedrooms now is full of scrapbooking material. <laughs> she has a computer die cutter. <laughs> I'm in shock. I'm so into it. Uh, cool. So the trade waiters records in the library. The library's rad. Thanks VPL. You can find our work online at URLs. Sleuth music stuff. Yeah, Thank and like you. Google Music or something Sleuth, like that. Sleuth, Sleuth did our music, and you can find us at thetradewaiters.com. Yeah. We're all super tired, and we have oh, no yeah. idea what our next book is, but we hope you tune in. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, dear listeners. Good night. Bye. Bye.